All right, let's go ahead and sync audio. I'll say one, Phil will say two, Christy say three, I will say four, Phil say five, Christy say six, and then I'll say, and now clap. And we'll clap into our respective mics. Hold on. I think my son is coming. Yep, that's him. Okay, we're going to say hi to our friends. Hey, baby. James. James wanted to say hi to my friends. Can you say hi, James? <laughs> this is Phil, and that's Christy. Can you hear him? Hey, James. Hi, James. Can you say hi? <laughs> you have your Buzz Lightyear PJs on? Okay, good job. All right, say good night. So jealous. Good night. Good night. Good night, good night James. Right. He's got the prettiest hair. <laughs> His little curly locks. So cute. <laughs> so stinking cute. He looks just like Carrie, though. Have you had anybody tell you that they listened to Torchbearer's story? Other than David telling me that Nathan listened to it, uh, nobody. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It'll be it'll be exciting when all the episodes with all of us come out, or in you know just the full on episodes, not episode zeros. Yeah, I think so. Get the public in on it. Mm-hmm. It's funny because like. All of my friends that don't do this with me, I try to explain it to them in a way that I'll, like, not have them being like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and, like, turning away right away. Exactly. And some of them are really receptive to this idea because they're like, well, that's something I've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that because it feels like we're drawing in people that have never been, you know, listeners to TTRPGs and stuff. And Yeah, for sure. I so look forward to listening back to this audio. I hope y'all had a really funny stinger for me to put in. How dare you? You, We would never say anything while you were away. We were silent little kids. <laughs> silent. <laughs> we don't talk to each other unless David is present. Yes. It's Isn't in our that, claws. That's the rule. I follow the rules. David, David doesn't pay me enough to talk to the other guys. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Burn. It's funny because it's true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hello, friends. This is Carrie White, and you are listening to Tales to Inspire. An unseen threat grows. 
Geiger Gwynn has been hard at work thwarting the efforts of the Tuscan criminal empire in the Pacific Northwest. On the other side of the continent, Torchbearer has been battling against the villainous Professor Dusk. Their two separate crusades will bring them crashing together. Can the courageous couple put a stitch in the diabolical duo's impending plan? As we open this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see the little yellow box in the corner of this panel says Seattle, Washington, July 1945. And Christy, I would actually like to for you to take the reins of the artist for this panel and tell us where is this panel happening? So I picture a panel of dark, rainy, um, low-lit alleyway in a little yellow box that says uh, Pike Street. You see Gwen outside like a secret door down Pike Street. She's just leaning against like uh, one of the brick walls. And just for a shout out to the tourist of Seattle, there's bubblegum sticking all around her on the wall because there <laughs> is a disgusting bubblegum filled wall. Um... But she's leaning against it, one foot propped up. She's got a fedora, like, ticked down and her big old trench coat just, like, covering her up. And then you just see another panel of her being like, all right, that's enough. And she goes to open the door and she just rushes back in and, like, collides with someone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So so you are, like, you're in the underground tunnels or are you in the alleyway of Pike Street? I, I went through the secret door into the tunnel. Okay, okay. So we see Gargar Gwen rolling down these uh, these steps, tackling somebody. Uh, you land at the bottom. You know, there's the dark, arched uh, tunnels reaching out in front of you. The the uh, wires hanging between the electric uh, lights, and we see a couple of these uh, these goons uh, kind of looking at uh, Gwen, Geiger Gwen. And, uh, Geiger Gwen, I guess, if we're going to do some fighting, we need to do a combat exchange. Okay. I want to throw out there, the, um, after she rolls down the steps with this guy, there's a panel of her just, like, kneeling over his prone body. And she definitely lands in the Black Widow pose. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and just looks up, and then you see another panel of all the guys just staring at her. And she's just like, all right, cracks her neck. Time to go to work. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, so, man, do I want to do a move or <laughs> do you want to just do this narratively? Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to roll dice. So let's, okay. let's just do this narratively. So you land on top of this dude. Uh, they all look up. A couple of them cock their Tommy, Tommy guns, raise them up, and they go to shoot you. Gwen, what do you do? you see her just like put her hands up and she goes oh shh and then you see her just phase um into the wall for a second perfect and like these bullets like ricochet off the steps like right behind where you were uh and then they they pause and look around where'd she go where'd she go hey get the package get it out of here we can't let her get it and we see one of them like run off further down the the not alleyway, the tunnel. 
Um, and then there's a panel of her just jumping out of the wall next to one, tapping him on the shoulder, and she's like, hey! Punches him in the face. <laughs> Pow! Big onomatopoeia behind his head. Um, and I think we uh, go to the next panel, and the next panel is this lone guy rushing down uh, the alleyway. And uh, I'm not exactly sure of like the architecture and how it works, but I like the idea that like somewhere there is a sloped tunnel where like uh, oh, yeah. a car could come in. And so like he runs into this tunnel. We see a vehicle there, and they're loading up some like wooden crate into it. Um, and he he rushes, breathless, opens the door. She's here. She's here. Get it out. Get it to the boss. And they're all panicking. Oh, oh, and they're pushing that wooden crate in. Um, and uh, Gagger Gwen, where where are you? Um, she's just standing over the prone bodies of like five guys, and she just slowly starts walking <laughs> down the tunnel towards them. They're like, you need to talk quieter. I can totally hear you. She's she's coming. I'll hold her off. And he like jumps back into the jumps back behind the door and we see like the onomatopoeia is and then I think we see like some junk cow crack onomatopoeias and then like a silent panel and we see these people like staring at the open door uh, where these onomatopoeias were coming from like the box still uh, half loaded into the truck um, and then you just see there's a panel of uh, the onomatopoeias of just like click, 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 and it's her heels mm-hmm. of her boots as she's walking around the corner. And she's like, oh, boys, you're leaving without me? That was just rude. And they, they go to shove that box in there and they go to peel out. She takes a running leap towards it. Okay. Now, I think we should have a roll. Okay. Um, Geiger Gwyn, why don't you roll a take a risk? And uh, so, you're running and you're leaping. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah, she's she's trying to grab the back of the car so she can be with the box. Okay. Let's, uh, sure, let's roll with maneuver. So, a take a risk with a maneuver. Okay. Uh, nine? nine? A nine. Okay. So you do it imperfectly. The EIC tells you how your approach might lead to unexpected consequences. Accept those consequences or mark one stress. So I think you jump. Let's see. How can we make this fun? Um, I think you jump and you grab onto like the back of this this vehicle. Um, and as you grab onto it, it peels out. So you have like a hold of the tailgate, and the tailgate comes loose, and one of the chains holding it breaks. And so like you are holding on to this tailgate, hanging on by a single chain as it speeds up the slope. Uh, you can accept that consequence, or you can mark one stress to say like you land in the car. Um, I'm gonna accept that I'm just gonna be getting dragged by the chain behind it. Um, I almost feel like that should add a stress too, though. <laughs> In all honesty. It, it might add a stress. We'll, we'll have to see. Okay. So, uh, it peels out. You're like hanging on to this. We see like the succession of panels 
of uh, the car like peeling out and going up the slope to the street up above on ground level and we just see like sparks flying off this tailgate as Geiger Gwyn is like s- not surfing on it but like <laughs> boogie boarding on it almost <laughs> uh, as it goes peeling up um, that wooden box whatever they are trying so desperately to keep you from getting is right above uh, in its place and they like come up out of the tunnel, swerve, and they like some pedestrians scream and jump out of the way as his car skids by. Uh, Geiger Gwyn, what are you doing hanging on to that tailgate? Gosh, this would be a lot easier with some help. <laughs> <laughs> She's just trying to hand over hand up the chain towards the back of the car. Mm, okay, uh, so now let's go ahead and roll a seize control. Uh, and I'll say roll this with smash because going hand over hand up a chain that's oh. swerving and sliding is real hard. Oh no, my conditions have kicked in now. This is not going to be nice. Oh yeah? Oh no! <laughs> it's a four. It's a four! Oh man. Do, do you want to bon- burn a bond to step it up or take that? Um, I'm going to burn a bond um, with <laughs> with public opinion. Ooh, okay. Um, because... Oh, wait. What'd you say happened? So, like, it came out of this tunnel, it's swerving, it, like, some pedestrians jumped out of the way screaming as it sped by, like, maybe your thing, like, slid up onto the sidewalk next to them, knocking over some people or something. So, I'm not hanging by just the chain. I have, like, the tailgate underneath me, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay, so as she's pulling the chain... She gets her feet under her enough where the tailgate, she's kind of like surfing on it. Mm -hmm. But as they start turning and she has to choose between letting go or getting thrown into a shop, she decides to just like kick her feet out and kick the tailgate away from her and use that momentum to like pull herself into the back. Mm -hmm. But the tailgate goes flying at pedestrians, like right towards them into like a shop store right behind them yeah like a one of the glass window fronts like shatters as the tailgate goes through it yeah okay okay uh so on a you step it up to a seven through nine because you step up your bond clock um so choose one you seize control over what was contested but your opponent attacks you in retaliation you enter into a combat exchange or you seize control over what was contested but the effort exhausted you mark a condition but the person retaliates because there's some. Is there someone in the back of the car, or there's just someone driving the car? Yeah, yeah. So there's somebody driving. I picture there's someone in the uh, passenger seat and somebody back in the back that had loaded up the crate. Um, and really, if you got into a fight, it would be with all three of these because right. they would count as a group. Okay. Yeah. No. I I picture it as she gets in the back with the box, but they're they're fast enough to retaliate. Whoever's in the back or whatever. Okay, so you uh, you kick up into the back of this truck, and as you land, successfully having got to your place, you see, uh, we see like a panel, and then we see just like a a knife appear with a swish from the top half of the um, the panel, uh, as whoever's back there is going to attack you. Uh, so let's go to a combat exchange. Uh, NPC will choose first in secret. Uh, I have chosen what they are going to do. What are you going to do? 
Uh, defend and maneuver. Okay. Uh, they choose to advance and attack. So defend and maneuver gets to go first. Go ahead and roll plus your protect. Oh, nice. That's um, 10. 10, so you get to choose two. So first of all, I'm going to... Ready. So I'm just going to get myself ready to, like, block the knife, basically. I'll just get ready to retaliate. So if he does... Since he is attacking me with the knife, whatever move he uses, Gwen's just going to use it to, like turn it around on him if she can okay yeah so he chooses to advance and attack so he is going to strike uh and he's going to mark one stress uh well actually nah he won't mark one stress so he's going to leave it up to you do you choose to mark two stress or mark a condition i'll mark two stress okay i'll remind you that you have prepared and what prepared means is you can either clear it like you can use it to give yourself a plus two to an appropriate roll or to avoid marking a condition so technically (laughs) you could burn it right now and say that he gives you a condition but you use prepared to like not take a condition okay okay yeah that makes sense just just a little like mechanics meta gaming right there okay so um if he's swiping at me Mm mm-hmm then um, I would have taken hopeless, but instead of, because I'm prepared, mm-hmm. I, I get a hold of his forearm and I'm just holding the knife back from hitting okay. me. Yeah. And then you also chose to retaliate, so... So uh, if each, I... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if I get it fast enough, then I want to try and turn it around to him to try and just like okay. push the knife back towards him. Yeah, I think you do. You're going to inflict one stress on him. Uh, So, I mean, this is just one guy. So tell me, how do you do it? Uh, Well, it's just really fast. So, like, the moment he swings towards me, I kind of get a hold of him, and then I just twist his arm so that he pulls his own knife up into his gut. Oof. And I'm just like, oh, ouch, sorry. And then I throw him out the back of the truck. Yeah. (laughs) Ah! Wilhelm scream out the back of the truck. Um... And the driver and passenger are still, like, cruising, dodging, weaving in and out of traffic. Uh, The driver looks in the rearview mirror and sees you, like, fling the mook off the back. And he screams to the passenger, Get her out of there! I don't care what you have to do! Just get her out! And so he brings up his Tommy gun, and he, like, turns and faces you, and he cocks it. And there, there would be no way for you to get out of the way. You would have to jump out the back of this car. But... Before he shoots, we see the driver is driving, fist tight on the wheel, and then he starts to squint. He, like, lifts up a hand to shield something. He's like, why is it so? And his text box is cut off as Torchbearer. What happens? Torchbearer drops down into the pandal in a flash, holds his hands out, and smashes into the front of his... This big cargo truck. Skidding back slightly as it makes an impact and slowing this truck down so it's no longer endangering everybody else in traffic. 
perfect. And we have like this huge splash scene, uh, splash panel of you like grabbing a truck, like it crumples, the front of it crumples a little bit against your chest and in your biceps. Uh, it like comes up off the ground a little bit. Uh, the two mooks in the front like fly forward and like hit the windshield and we have like their little comically pressed faces up against the windshield. We get like a, a panel where like the light subsides and you can see Torchbearer standing there in front of the car and he sees the two guys uh, pressed up against the windows. Sorry I'm late boys. Seattle's a lot farther than I thought. I was gonna say you see you see Gwen get thrown forward too but she's standing in the back so she like lands with her hands on the top of the car and she's like ah I had it under control oh Gwen it's long time to see <laughs> she's like lifts her head from the top of the car she's like yeah Good to see you too. Wanna wrap this up for me? No problem. Torch wants to like reach through the glass, grab them by the collars, and pull them out of the window. Through the windshield. Yeah, that happens, absolutely. <laughs> Just one at a time, throwing them into the street. <laughs> Um, there's a panel of Gwen just grabbing the box and hopping down from the back of the car, and she just like heaves it over to Torch, and she's like, hey! Look at that timing. Yeah. Kind of serendipitous. What are you doing here? Well, uh, back in Philadelphia, I came across some of these guys, these goons working for Professor Duskoids, and seemed to be connected somehow to, to Tuskman. They were shipping this these crates and whatever cargo they have out of the Philadelphia docks, so I knew that Tuskman usually works in this area, so I thought I'd drop in. And, uh, Torchbearer, as you're, like, just casually talking about this, we see in the background of the panel, like, those two mooks that you threw down, like, think that you have forgotten about them, and so, like, look around, we see, like, the movement lines of their heads, like, looking around, and they pick themselves up and start to run away. Uh, how do you not let them run away? How do you prevent their escape? As you're just just casually relaying this information as you're stopping these two goons from getting away. Uh, let's say he walks around to the side of this cargo truck and tears off one of the front left, top, like the driver's side tire, and just kind of rolls it down the, the highway. And uh, it takes a couple bounces rolling along and eventually comes up and hits both of them in the back or like hits one in the back and bounces off and it hits the other in the head and they both kind of stumble uh, back down yes. to the ground. Yeah, like one stumbles into a trash can with <laughs> hanging up in the air and the other like just falls on his face and like serendipitously there's like a patrol car right there <laughs> and there's a police officer sitting there with a donut just looking down and he just takes a bite of his donut. And then we go back to the panel with Gwen and uh, Torchbearer. Gwen just looks at Torch with, like, starry eyes. She's like, that was nice. Nicely done. Oh, well, thank you. So, uh, how did you get involved in all this? Who, me? Oh, I'm just, you know, 
Wait, you're not work. You're not working with him, are you? Me work with Tuskman. Wow, that's feels like a low blow, but also it wasn't wrong at one time. So you're fine. Um, nope. He's just on my list. I understand. Uh-huh. So, what exactly are they shipping out of here? Well, shall we? And she just lifts the box so he can see it and then drops it and tries to open it. Yeah, yeah. And you, uh, you, you pop the top of this wooden box off and we see like all the, um, oh, what, what was the, I guess it was hay, right? Like in old shipping containers, like what they use. Straw. Straw. Okay. Yeah. So you open it up and you see all this straw and perfectly pressed in the middle is this mask um this kind of mask made out of like ebony um or maybe burnt wood or something like that but it's a it is very exotic looking there are no jewels on it there are some chiseling and carvings in the uh, facial structure of it but it's just a black mask well that's really anticlimactic yeah it's not very fancy. Uh, Gwen reaches down to grab it. It's, it's light. It barely feels like anything. Uh, but you just lift it up out of this crate. Uh, and Torchbearer, as she lifts it out, as it gets closer to you, you feel this dissonance between you and it. Like how a flame would flicker in a room full of darkness. Oh. Uh, that's... That's odd. Uh, what, what is this thing? And Gwen doesn't feel that? Mm-mm. What do you mean? Like, I wonder if he's just, like, smuggling antiquities? That feels wrong. Yeah, that would that would seem odd enough, but this is this is something else. This is weird. This is it's I get a it gives me a bad feeling. Whatever he wants this for, whatever he's using this for, it can't be good. You are not wrong. Um, Gwen shoves it into the pocket of her um, jacket that she's wearing. And she, she kind of just like shakes it, dusts herself off, and then she just looks up at Tor. She's like, you hungry? <laughs> they have really good food trucks down the road. <laughs> I don't know if they have food trucks. <laughs> <laughs> food trucks. Yeah, what would the... Well, they would have stalls or something, I feel like. Yeah. Like someone, I'm sure someone was just cooking in the streets in the 40s. Like that feels right. <laughs> yeah, no license, just doing whatever. Uh, yeah, like you could say they have like a food, a food booth or something. Yeah, I'm starving. I haven't eaten since uh, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, let's get you some food and chicken towards where the food stall is that she's going to. It's a fish fry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, and we we turn the page. Christy, where has Geiger Gwyn taken Torchbearer? 
I kind of uh, never mind. I was just gonna totally not listen to you. What What do you want to do, Christy? Uh, well, there's a little storefront with like an awning overhang, and um, out front there's a guy with uh, you know, just like a little fire in a barrel and a grill thing uh, thrown over the top with cast iron pan, and he's just um, pan frying up some fish. And a little sign that just says Ivan's. <laughs> um, and she's like, Ivan does great work. You have no idea. You will never look at fish the same way. I never liked fish, but then Ivan totally got me hooked. I see, I see what you did there. Um, is this? This doesn't look sanitary. Try not to think about it. Ivan like turns and looks at you. He turns and looks at you and gives you like a greasy thumbs up and he smiles and like most of his teeth are missing. <laughs> if you if you say it's good, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Bill's immunities, right, Ivan? And Gwen just throws another thumbs up back at Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> um and she grabs two little baskets of fish and fries from the front of them and um torch reach in my front jacket pocket the left one the other one's got the creepy mask and you'll reach in there and there'll be lipstick and some cash (laughs) just all the cash just give them all the cash it's fine keep the change babe all of it just hands hands over this wad of money a couple of coins fall out he bends down, picks them up off the street, and makes sure Ivan gets them. Yeah, I think there's like a boot where uh, there's like another little sign that says money, and like pointing to the boot, and so you just like slip it into the boot. Just, just right in the boot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, Gwen just uh, turns to Torch, and she's like, "There's a spot in the pier this way that we can sit and eat." Well, all right. It's real pretty this time of night. Okay, let's let's check it out. You can carry your own food. And she shows a basket in his chest. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to drop out any, any of his fries. <laughs> Alright. And then I think the next panel is y'all sitting on this pier with like your feet dangling uh, above the water. Um... There is a a beautiful night sky overhead, uh, and I like to think like that the foreground and the pier and you are like black, but like the sky is like this indigo blue color with just like little pinpricks of light to be the stars. Um, what are y'all doing? Well, you weren't wrong. Uh, this fish is surprisingly good and this view is very pretty one of the things you need to know about me Torch is I'm rarely wrong <laughs> I'm I think I'm starting to learn that slowly but surely good I like you Torch I don't like many people oh, oh, oh. <laughs> well um Thanks. 
with all the stuff that's been going on, it's been kind of hard to feel like anybody does, you know? What do you mean? You are the light. Everybody loves the shining beacon of hope. And she kind of goes, she throws one hand up <laughs> and she does this very <laughs> overdramatic, like, oh, the light of torch. Romeo, oh, Romeo. Yeah. <laughs> She's just being very sarcastic and she like kind of leans into him for it. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like the light is isn't what people are looking for, you know. And when you're just trying to live your life, then that light can just be kind of irritating. Well, the darkness ain't too great either. I like the light. More now than I did before. Yeah, me too. I'm starting to starting to find my way back to it. it feels good. I don't think I ever had it much before, so this is all new to me. I understand. It's all kind of new to me too. Not all new things are bad. Take the good when you can find it, right? You are absolutely correct. This life has very few good things in it. You take it and you go. Yeah. Try and... Leave the world better than you found it. Uh, there's a, there's a panel of her just staring at him for a second. And there's a very, like, <laughs> there's a yellow thing that says awkward silence. <laughs> and then the next panel is her just, why didn't you dance with me? Uh, um. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to yell it, but also like, why didn't you? I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it was just a. A hard day, and I was so wrapped up in all the all the bad stuff that I was feeling, and just felt like I'd be I'd be stepping on your toes. Metaphorically or physically, because you know I can phase in and out of objects, right? Well, yeah. Mostly metaphorically. Well, I hate to tell you this, babe, but I've been at rock bottom before, so there's very few things you can do that will bring me down. I promise. Well, I, I appreciate that. And, um, hey, you never know. Maybe, maybe next time you ask, I won't say no. So you're hoping for next time? I'm, I mean, well, if there's, I don't know, if the, there's another inauguration. Oh, you're totally hoping for next time. You know, it's fine. We get, 
we we, we get invited to it. We can dance anytime you there's want. Bread and... It's fine. All right. <laughs> well, how's your fish? Cold now. I could I could probably warm that up for you. Such a gentleman. I've never done it with fish, but we could try. Try it. Let's see if it works. <laughs> Should I roll for this? Uh, you could. Should I roll, but roll for this fish? This is the cutest date. Roll, I'm sorry. Roll plus fish, please. I got a zero in fish, unfortunately. <laughs> zero oh, fish. Oh, no. But I, I rolled a seven. That's sufficient. That's, so that's fish. sufficient. Uh. <laughs> and cue laugh track. <laughs> Uh, Phil, uh, how does it go? He just kind of like reaches over, uh, takes his hand underneath uh, this like basket, as uh, kind of puts his hand under hers, and then like this light is emitted from the palm of his hand, and you feel this warmth, just like emanating outward and slowly but surely you can kind of see the the oils in the fish start to kind of bubble again and become reinvigorated as it heats up through the basket through his hand yeah Gwen doesn't even look at the fish she's just staring at Torch the whole time because he's like holding her hand under the basket mm-hmm. that's good that's 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 great thanks Okay. Uh, I hope, yeah. No, nope. it's, it's 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 hot now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. She just very awkwardly like eats a fry and looks away. <laughs> she she she's so smart up until the moment it happens, and she's like, oh no. <laughs> I think I would like to trigger a move right now, uh, or rather y'all have triggered a move called Be There for a Friend. Uh, This is a new move that I made up earlier this week. Um, But when you spend meaningful one-on-one time with another PC hero, roll plus your bond score with that character. Um, So why don't you both go ahead and roll 2d6 plus your bond score, not the bond clock, but the actual numerical score for... Uh, the other person. So what what is your bond score with each other? Mine is just a plus one. I've I've got a plus two with you. Okay. Go ahead and roll. 2d6 plus that bond score. An eight? Me too! I've rolled a six plus two. Wow, okay. So on an eight, uh, choose one. Either step back your bond clock with them by one, or they recover one condition, their choice, of their choice. I would love to recover. A no, you, you can you can totally recover <laughs> a condition. I don't have a I don't have a uh, I haven't burned any bonds with you as far as I know. <laughs> so yeah, nope. We're we're yeah. solid. Yeah, I'd like to get get rid of anger. Me too. That one makes okay. that one makes the most sense. We just both are just no longer Can't angry. Be angry right now. I like it. All right, so you both yeah, this feels very serendipitous. Right, awesome. I like it. <laughs> we both rolled yeah. eights and we both got okay, rid of angry. Okay. 
perfect. This is this is good. This is a good time. We're making <laughs> this good is the meat cute of the century. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hello, friends, and welcome to the mid-roll section of Season 1, Episode 23 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White, and I do not know why I struggled so hard to say Season 1, Episode 23. Could you hear it in my voice? I was like, Season 1? It's an episode. There's an episode, and there's a number to that episode, and this is the episode number that it is. Um, Anyways... I hope that you're enjoying listening to this episode, episode 23, in fact, of Tales to Inspire. Uh, Phil and Christy are such a great pair. Uh, It it is so fun because, you know, I've known Phil for years, and Christy I met through a stream years ago. Um, And it's it's just so funny, you know, when worlds collide and they mesh so well. Um, Phil and Christy, I love you so much. This is a great episode. Just, just so much good energy and, and just good vibes from this episode. And uh, I'm excited for the listeners to hear more of Torchbearer and Geiger Gwynn. And as you are listening to this episode, Carrie and I and our son are taking a very well-needed vacation for the summer. Uh, and, you know, I say that to say I hope that you are getting to spend some time, some sort of vacation, getting away from your monotony in your daily life, getting out and exploring a little bit. You know, I've uh, recently found that I'm, I'm like fascinated by overland camping. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, I would, I would like to go overland camping, you know, getting out in nature, you know, the quiet, away from technology. I think that would be really relaxing. And I hope that you find something relaxing for you to do on a vacation, however you want to spend it. And as you know, we are a show that is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. And as you know from the past couple of show notes, that we are really scraping the bottom of the barrel. In fact, we scraped through the bottom of the barrel into the mucky mud underneath. Um, We are desperately trying to get back to $400 a month. Because at $400 a month, this is a sustainable operation. I can sustainably pay my friends, the performers, Phil, Christy, and all the others, $5 for every hour that we spend recording. Right now, I cannot afford to do that. We have less than $100 in our bank account right now. And it it is a really big mess. And it's very, very depressing for me because, you know, I want this to be successful. I want this to be something that, you know people like and people enjoy and that you know I don't, could maybe even be a full-time job at some point in the future that that would be a dream come true to create content and just it it really really sucks to I don't know have have your dreams dashed like that I wouldn't say that my dreams have been dashed but it was a it was a big blow to my morale uh, to see our uh, bank account get bottom out like that um, but anyways, I'm, I'm going off about nothing. Um, we desperately need some new 
patrons. Right now, we are making $285 a month with only 26 patrons. That's not a whole lot of people, and we are so, so thankful for our 26 patrons. Thank you so much for giving to us. But like I said, we're trying to get back to $400 a month, and we would greatly appreciate it. If you like this show and you like what we're doing here, please click the link below and give any amount that you can. And, you know, someone in our Discord uh, suggested that we find some way to do, like, one-time donations, like maybe a Ko-Fi.com. Is it Ko-Fi or is it Kofi? Like, buy me a Kofi? I don't know. K-O-F-I.com. Figuring out some way to do that. So maybe, you know, people that don't want to do monthly base subscriptions could do, like, you know, a one-time donation to help out the uh, podcast. You know, hey, if people are interested in that, I'll definitely pursue it. Uh, If you would like to... You, you know, if you're someone who is like, well, I don't want to give every month, but, you know, if I did a one-time donation, I think that could be good. So if you're someone like that, go to our Discord, message us on Facebook or Twitter, you know, email us at misconceptionspod.com. Let us know if that's something that you would be interested in. Uh, and, you know, speaking of patrons, we got a new patron this week, Christopher S. Thompson. Christopher, thank you so much for supporting our show. Uh, Thank you so much for coming to us in our time of need and helping us out. Also, Phil says you're a pretty awesome person, and I hope we get to hang out soon. Well, that is it for the show notes for this episode. I'm going to stop rambling, and I'm going to start packing up my bag so I can get on the road and uh, get to this well-needed vacation. But I hope that you enjoy the rest of this episode. have been investigating the uh, Tuskman criminal empire, kind of figuring out what they've been doing uh, for the past five mm-hmm. months. Um, so, I was trying to think of a way to, like, give you, like, information on what's happening. So, I think what I will do instead is, uh, we're gonna treat this like you uh, did the downtime move. Okay. Um, and you did the gather intel option. Which means, uh, tell everyone at the table how you did it, and you can ask the EIC three questions about the subject of your research. Uh, so if you remember previously, we had like a select number of uh, questions you could ask. Um, but I've decided to go more City of Mist with this and kind of just open it up to open-ended questions. Um, so Christy, you can ask me any three questions about the Tusmans, and I will give you a solid lead or a definitive answer to your question. So so think about what three things has Geiger Gwen discovered during these five months. Okay, well, I think the first would be the location of Tuskman. Where is he? His okay. new headquarters or where he's hiding out. Hitting hard right off the bat. <laughs> like hitting just going right for it. Where do um, I need to punch? Where can I kill the man? <laughs> um, 
I mean, you would know that Tussler's like base of operations is the Crystal Pool Natatorium, this uh, gymnasium that you were there for when he bought it, uh, and he converted it into uh, during the day. It was this place of, uh, you know, where people could come swim, where people could work out and be fit. Um, this this place of community resource. Um, but then at night, it was a gambling den. Uh, it was a, a gun running den. Um, so at night, it became an all different creature altogether. Uh, but you know, the Crystal Pool Natatorium is where Tussler does his business, and still does his business okay so then what are his uh current goals with his conquest i guess and his shipping and whatnot because i don't i didn't know what he was shipping i think okay so what are his current goals um you're not sure what his current goals are um you have been working and uh frustrating his plans for the past five months and you have like uh, busted up uh, gun smuggling. You have busted up some racketeering, um, but then you found some things of like scientific equipment that was being shipped, um, like material from Germany. And you have discovered. I mean, you knew this from the Alps that the Tussmans were doing business with Nazi Germany. Um, and so they have been getting some sort of scientific equipment from uh, Germany still, um, even though Germany has since expunged the Nazi regime and kind of become a military junta or junta uh, in its absence. Um, um, but yeah, you're not you're not quite sure what his goal is, but you know that he's still doing his normal business, but he's also getting this weird science stuff, and now there was this mask. Um, not exactly sure what's going on. Um, does he know that Gwen is the one causing him problems? Gwen has told him as much. Without like saying it to his <laughs> face, I love the idea that Geiger Gwen has like made it damn well known. <laughs> that she's coming for yeah. Tuskman. Um, like, whether that's, like, tying people up and leaving a note with them. <laughs> yeah, that feels or, right. Or <laughs> uh, something. But, like, he he knows. He knows you're coming for him. All righty. Yeah, so you're having your, your cute moment, but I just wanted to give you some. Because I realized I never really, like, hey, this is what's going on in the past five months that you've been investigating. You should know some stuff. So. That's okay. that's information that Geiger Gwyn has. So Tuskman knows I'm around. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to hit him where it hurts because he will see it coming. He knows me. He knows my tactics. It's hard to get in there. But he doesn't know you. No, I don't, I don't think he does. He might know that you've got your target on his back, but he doesn't know you're not alone. Oh, no, he thinks I'm alone. He knows I worked with others before, but he doesn't think I play nice. 
you'd be willing to help? Well, no. Seems all this business kind of led me here, Philadelphia, to join you in your neck of the woods. It's the least I could do to help out. Try and put this, all this business to rest. If you don't mind a helping hand. And uh, there's a panel of Gwen just uh, looking at the water off the pier for a minute. Um, up until now, I didn't really like anyone helping me. I, I thought I could do it all my own, but I'm starting to realize over the last few, year, few years with the team and everything that having someone there that you can trust is not a bad thing. And trusting someone is also not a bad thing. So yes, I will gladly take your help. All right. I know it's not easy to trust and to put your trust in someone and hope that they can be trustworthy. And I hope that I I don't let you down. Hope I can be worthy of that trust. You're more than worthy. It's me I'm worried about. Um, and she just stands up and holds out her hand to help him up. Um, Torchbearer looks at her hand for a second and just, like, has to think about what's going on <laughs> for a second. And then he, like, just, <laughs> just kind of, like, um, oh, oh, yeah, and, like, has to, like, set his fries and the rest of his fish aside and like wipes his hands off on his pants and stuff and then takes her hand <laughs> and I just I help him up alright well I know where he works so we don't have to do it now we can do it in the morning but I really would love your help you've got it as, as long as you need it she just keeps holding his hand. You see, it, this kind of like awkwardness is over, comes over his face, and then it's soon replaced by like a kind of understanding. And he just keeps his hand in hers. Okay, so where are we going to turn the page to? Are we going to turn the page back to? Geiger Gwen's office? Are we going to their Crystal Pool Natatorium tonight? Or are we going to the next morning? What What do y'all want to do? Honestly, I feel like their relationship would require a fade to black. So I want to just leave it as like they ended the night together, but you don't know how. And then the next day okay. we're standing outside the Crystal Emporium. Okay, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. <clears throat> We turn the page from that scene, uh, and then it is no longer night. 
in this panel, but it is day, and we see the outside of the Crystal Pool Natatorium, this beautiful building with a crystal dome uh, over the top of it, and of course there is the little yellow box that says the next day, the Crystal Pool Natatorium. Um, and uh, it's it's the next morning, so we see like families and uh, maybe some older people walking through these front doors inside, um, and we I guess we see Geiger Gwen and Torchbearer, I guess, standing across the street. Are y'all in your superhero regalia? Are you in civilian identities? How how are y'all dressed this morning? I think Torch is always. I, I was gonna say I was like I don't think he ever wears anything, <laughs> but I did I did one time. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't work out well. And Ubermensch tore it off you. <laughs> it was hot. Uh, Gwen's wearing her fedora, but no jacket because it's the morning, and her pants and shirt combo with the thigh holster of her gun just there. Um, and she she looks up at the building and she looks at Torch. She's like, "All right, well, his office is on the top left. He likes to have the best view of the city, so he's got glass surrounding it the entire way. Unfortunately, between here and there is a lot of security, so." They could tear our way through his security from the first floor to his office, or perhaps we could bypass all that and go then through the roof. I hate to ruin something as beautiful as that glass ceiling, but I'm sure you understand glass ceilings are made to be broken. Can you get me right up to the window? I don't see why not. I can get us through the window if you get me to it. Alright, well, uh... Hold on tight for a little bit. She just jumps and grabs her (laughs) her arms around his neck and her legs around his waist. And Torch will bend at the knees and leap up into the air. In a single bound. Yes! Uh, and then... The next panel is y'all on top of the roof. Torchbearer kind of lands roughly on both feet, kneels down for her to help herself. Okay, she hops off and she's like, all right, well, I'm not going to lie, I don't like flying. (coughs) Um, (laughs) It was just one long jump. I know. I promise. (laughs) I think it's from jumping out of that jet the first time. Don't like it. Um... His office should be directly below us. This might feel weird. And she wraps him in a bear hug again, and she's going to phase through the roof with him into the office. What do you mean weird? Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you, you go to phase through the roof, but Gwen, you see, like, your feet go through the sea, the um, the concrete roof of this building, but then they stop. And even through your high heels, even though they are intangible right now, you feel the burning sensation of lead. You cannot phase oh, any further. I quickly phase back out, and I kind of inadvertently shove Torch away, and she just kind of stumbles a little bit, and she's like, oh my gosh, that hurt. That bastard! 
<laughs> what? What is it? He knows. He knows just what I can't handle. What a. What? What do you mean? He surrounded himself in lead. Oh. You can't face through it. Nope. That is the one thing. Weird, right? I guess, uh, I'm just gonna have to find another way in. I was really hoping to do this not loud. Yeah, I understand. If Dr. Fusion was here, he would make a comment about how lead is, uh, has this radioactive isotope that must work in a, a counterpoint to Gwen's own radioactivity that allows her to rearrange her uh, molecules. That's a little yellow note down yeah. in the bottom corner. And Gwen would not listen to him at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Yeah. So, uh, so once again, uh, you see all these families like walking in wearing their. I mean, it's July, so it's hot. Uh, and so these people have like swimming trunks on. They have towels thrown over their shoulders, going into swim. Um. And I would just love for you two to go ready to swim. <laughs> and for that to be your cover to get into the Crystal Pool Natatorium. <laughs> oh, he knows what I look like. So I'll really have to put a swim cap on and some goggles and you'll have to lead the way because he has no idea what you look like, I think. Are you willing to take your costume off, big guy? Yeah, I really don't think it would be good to swim in. You're not wrong. Alright, let's, uh... This might be our only way in without getting noticed. Okay, we can sneak in super casually. And then we turn the page, and we are inside the Crystal Pool Natatorium. And we see, like, this huge swimming promenade with all these people splashing and swimming in it. Uh, and then there is a women's, rest- er, a women's dressing room on one end, a men's dressing room on the other end. And uh, at the same time, the doors open and you two walk out. Could you please describe what have you, what swimsuit are you wearing? You see, Torchbearer... Uh, walk out of the dressing room like combing his hair over and he's wearing this very short high-waisted uh, white shorts with like a gold pinstripe running down the side and this like uh, a brown leather belt with a gold buckle fastened in the front uh, do you have a tank top on? no Ooh, <laughs> scandalous Okay, and then on the other side of this very long panel, uh, what do we see Geiger Gwen changed into? Gwen is wearing what probably would have been seen as scandalous, but is worn um, by people. They just talked about a lot. It's like a red one piece, but with like a cutout keyhole right under her chest. And shorts into the shorts that they wear the tight ones and then her t- 
top is just like a halter red top that covers her, but um, it is a deep red. Like, it is very eye-catching. <laughs> but she's got a swim cap on to cover her hair. Um, and the swim cap has, like, these daisies on it. <laughs> yeah. So she's trying to cover up the things that she, Tuskman might notice about her. Okay. Okay, so we see you two step out, and I think, like, we have a a long panel of the pool with people playing in it, and we have, like, the two doors open up, but then we have, like, like larger panels on either side of this panel showing you two step out from the, the changing rooms, and then, like, we have some panels of you walking towards each other, towards the middle of the pool. Um, but y'all, y'all meet in the middle of the pool with all these, these families splashing and playing in the background. Well, seems we've made it in undetected so far. <laughs> Gwen is just staring at him for a second. She's like, you look different. Yeah. I like it. This is... It's been a long time since I've worn such little. <laughs> uh, he should be in his office right about now, right? Sorry, I'm distracted by all your skin. Um. <laughs> you can see, George completely blushes, just like a full body blush. I love it. <laughs> oh, it's well, uh, I mean, you look uh, different too. I mean, not not bad, but yeah. If if he's if he's in his office, maybe we could uh, maybe we should head there to the office. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> let's go. <laughs> okay, let's, let's go. Okay, so we see you walk around the circumference of the pool. Uh, walk down the side of it to where uh, Geiger Gwyn, you know there is this staircase that leads up to the uh, I guess it would be the second floor where his office would be Uh, but you see somebody uh, not wearing swim gear one of these thugs is posted right outside this door ooh and you you know what Christy Uh, no don't do it this, (laughs) this is Bobby from no, your I knew it hero. as soon as you said it. I was like, no. The dude you shoved into the mirror in the bathroom. <laughs> this is who this is. Oh, that poor guy. He does not like me. <laughs> There's a panel of us, like, walking in that direction. And then all of a sudden you see, like, a panel of Gwen, like, anime eyes. Just, <laughs> like, moving. <laughs> and she spins around real fast and she kind of just, like, whispers. Uh, you're going to have to take this one. I, I, he's, mm, he's not my biggest fan, and he will recognize me. So, you need to distract him to get through. Or I don't know how to do this. How do we get back the door? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll see what I can do. And Torch will kind of try to casually walk towards this guard, this posted guard. So yeah, you you approach him, and he looks at you, and he says. Hey, the pool's over there, buddy. And he, like, points to the, the pool. Yeah, I saw somebody. Uh, the lifeguard was uh, off-duty, like, 
drinking in a closet, and somebody's drowning, and so I came to get help. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, sure, go ahead and roll an influence someone. So roll plus influence. Gosh, this is going to suck. I deserve this to fail. <laughs> Alright, so my influence is plus one, but I have a negative two, because I'm guilty. I feel guilty about tricking this poor guy, I don't even know him. <laughs> Here we go. A nine, still. <gasps> wow. Okay. So, on a... Oh my gosh, where's that? On a nine, on an influence someone, uh, they need something more. Evidence that this is the right course, guidance in making the right choice, or resources to aid them before they act. So, uh, he kind of cocks an eyebrow at you and says, Drinking? God, these teenagers. I don't... Uh, where, where is it? Which closet? Come on, show me. It was downstairs on the right. It was the last one on the right. Uh, and I think he's like... he He's pushing you towards... Like... To show him. Like, he wants you to take him there to show him. Okay, I kind of, like, move out of his way, so we're kind of, like, walking together. Uh Uh-huh. And I'd like to just, like, chop him in the back of the head. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'd like to bonk bonk him and just knock him out. Shove him in the pool! Shove him in the pool! (laughs) (laughs) That might kill him. Didn't you hear the lifeguards drinking? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? The best thing about this is you're like, someone's drowning, the lifeguard's drinking. No one's saving the drowning person right now. Nobody else is qualified. (laughs) Bobby is is concerned that this dude is drinking when he's supposed to be working. Uh, So, yeah. So, I think you you walk in uh, past Geiger Gwen. Gwen, as they walk past you, how are you, like, not being seen by Bobby? I'm just... You just see her, like, she's got her back to him. She's just kind of holding her nose, looking up at the <laughs> sky, pointing. Oh, it's so pretty. It's so cool. But then she slowly backs up, like, as they're getting close to her. Mm-hmm. So she, like, backs away as she's watching him out of the corner of her eye. She's backing towards the door. Perfect. Yeah, and I think they, like, walk out of frame, and we see you walking backwards, very David Asia style. And you just <laughs> open up the door and just whoop slip in um and torch i think you you walk out of frame with bobby to show him where this young teen is drinking um and gagger gwen we will follow you in the stairwell uh so you're in the stairwell that leads up to the second floor what are you doing first thing she does is she takes off the swim cap (laughs) never wearing that again and she just starts jogging up the steps. Um, but before she goes through the door into the wing that would have the offices, she kind of just takes a moment. She's like, oh, gosh, I thought he'd actually be here with me. Hope he makes it. And then she goes through the door. Um, okay. Heading straight for where she knows Tuskman's office is. Okay, and you are entering into an area where you are not supposed to be, so please roll a sneak around. Uh, so roll 2d6 plus your maneuver. Okay. That's an 8. An 8? Okay. Uh, I mean, you succeed, but I or you, I guess, get to choose one. You must leave something behind or be discovered. 
you're spotted, but you get the drop on them, or there's something here that you didn't plan on. There's... It's between I'm spotted, but I get the drop on them, and there's something I didn't plan on. What if you chose the second option? I kind of figured you would want that one, actually. So, yep, there's something that I didn't plan on. Okay. And if it's what I think it is, I'm going to be upset. (laughs) Uh, You open the door. And uh, I think there is a hallway that is leading down to the office. And there's like all these meeting rooms in between here and the office. Um, And so you start walking down. And as you're walking, you hear some voices. And a door to one of the meeting rooms, the door handle turns and opens. What do you do? Um, does the door open out? Uh, it opens in. <laughs> okay. Then I'm just, I'm going to um, phase into the wall and just hold my breath. Okay. Luckily, the interior walls are not laced or painted with lead. It's only the exterior walls that have had this. So you kind of phase into the wall into another room. uh, And I think we have like a cutaway panel. Oh, no. We see you in this dark room without any lights on. And we see like the disconnected text bubbles of whoever's walking down this hallway. Uh, The boss has appreciated all your, your help in arranging all this. You know, it's a real shame what happened with all that stuff overseas. Yes, it is, uh... It is unfortunate that this has happened. But I thank you for your help in relocating me. And then we have a two-panel side-by-side of Gwyn in the dark room and one of Tusman's goons in the hallway... And next to him, we see this man in a Nazi officer's uniform. Um, and we see the little yellow box that says, Oberfjord Guido von Veers, <laughs> head of the occulte, or former head of the occult Gesellschaft. And uh, he, the goon holds something out to Oberfjord von Veers and says, I hear Argentina's really nice this time of year. And Oberfuhr von Veers takes it and says, I hear anywhere is better than Germany right now. Anywhere that I may continue my research. My compliments to your master. And then Guido von Veers walks past the room that that Christy, that Geiger Gwyn is in. And that goon turns and walks back into the meeting room. Um... She's going to phase back out into the hallway and just watch the back of Guido Van Veers. And she's like, oh, Torch. That one's all you, babe. (laughs) She's going to go towards Tuskman. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think we turn the page and we see Bobby's unconscious body shoved into a closet. (laughs) As Grant is just closing the door <laughs> on him. Uh, and the torch, I think you step back into the uh, natatorium um, and you know where the, the stairwell is. Yeah, I'll uh, head out of this room and look both ways, make sure I wasn't like suspicious. I haven't drawn anybody's eye. And then make my way back towards the stairs. 
Okay. You make your way back down the stair, or back to the stairs. You open up that door and you step into it. And as you step into it, you notice you're not alone. Uh, and I think you like maybe like ease the door shut just a little bit, but you can still see through the sliver of it. And from where you're standing, you see the back of Guido von Veers as he is taking an exterior door out into the alleyway. But it is un or you have never seen Guido von Veers, but you know what a Nazi uniform looks like. And you see the back of this Nazi uniformed individual stepping through the door into the alleyway. What could he be doing here? Seems to have gotten a lot more complicated than I thought. Quinn, I hope you're okay. And he's going to follow von Veers. Ooh, okay. <laughs> we turn the page again to Geiger Quinn reaching the end of the hallway and that door that says, that has like a gold plaque on it. Uh, it's like the exact opposite of the peeling, cracked black lettering on Geiger Gwynn's office. It's this gold plaque, huge name, Theodore Tuskman. Um, you grab that door handle, you open it up, you step into the office. Do you announce your presence at all, or are you trying to be sneaky? Um, I'm not trying to be sneaky, but I don't say anything either. You just see her open the door shut it slowly behind her and then she just walks towards the desk okay you walk towards the desk the chair is turned to you and you hear like some tittering some giggling we see like little word bubbles like smooch 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 and she slams her hands on the desk she's like boss thought this wasn't supposed to happen during work hours and we see like there's a motion as the chair falls down and this woman in a bathing suit like falls out of somebody's lap onto the floor and tiny tim turns around with all these kissy marks on his face also in a a swimsuit Uh, and he looks at you and says gwen what the hell are you doing here? Oh. And down in the bottom corner of this panel, we see the words, to be continued. No. End of episode. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got her. Uh, Why are uh, you the way you are, David? <laughs> I, was- I hate so much about the way you choose to be. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. We'll be back with our next episode on July 3rd. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you would like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. 
You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash IAM underscore W-A-K-E. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Geiger Gwynn was played by Christy Scheidemantel, who can be found at Polish Christy on Twitter. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks a New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. Thank you.